Southeast Portland school bus stop in the middle of the homeless camps to be moved. We don't want to get rid of the homeless encampments. We don't want to get rid of the wildly addicted campers that have mental health issues that are, you know, pooping and peeing all over the streets, crime, crime soaring in the local area because that's what they have to do to sustain their habit. We don't want to get rid of them. Nah, move the bus stop. That's what we're doing in Portland. Let's get into it. Here we go. You really, I mean, you really just can't, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I feel so blessed to be in a position where I read these stories because so many of them keep a coming. Earlier this morning, I was talking about um, the federal building in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. It's become too dangerous for its employees to work there. So memo went out on the 4th of August saying, yeah, hey guys and gals, um, things have gotten a little bit hairy here at the uh, the federal building. I know there's a lot of drug deals and human trafficking and stolen goods going out right outside the very doors that we work within the federal building. We can't work here anymore. Too dangerous. You guys all need to go and work from home. Literally, these storylines, it's like, why not fix the problem? Because the problem is too big and it's too overwhelming and you don't have the political will of the people that are experiencing this to actually do anything about it, nor do you have solutions that will work, especially not at the rate that folks are talking about. We need something to be done about this right now. Well, like what? What do you want done? What do you want done? You allowed homelessness to be in your community, you allowed drugs to be in your community, you allowed shoplifting, you allowed theft, you allowed, oh, we don't want to put anybody in jail for anything, and therefore, oh, hey, well, this isn't working out well. If you drive through this section of Southeast Portland around 32nd Avenue and Steel Street, you know where the frustration comes from. And the email that was sent to our newsroom was dripping with distress. So now, now we're hearing from all these people who are like, this isn't what we intended with our progressive ideology and our progressive actions. This isn't what we thought would, would turn out. It's that whole cognitive dissonance thing, right? Imagining how things should go. You've got a wildly different outcome. And so mentally, you're like, this should work. This should work. But man, this doesn't look like it's working. If only we had just a little more time to make this happen. I'm sure these drug addicts would get their act together and all take their tents down and go home and say they had a nice run. But now they got to go get a job and they got to become, you know, contributing members of society. Yeah. Well, anywho, (laughs) so the email sent to the newsroom was dripping with distress. It said, I have filed countless reports throughout the city for a specific camp. I have called 311. I've reached out to Reed College and Portland Public Schools. I am now reaching out to you. It goes on to say, on Southeast Steel Street, as of today, there are 19 camps slash vehicles slash tents slash piles of belongings covered in tarps. It spans four blocks from Southeast 28th Avenue to 32nd Place, and it's growing. There is only a portion of Steel Street that has a sidewalk. 
Pedestrians have to walk in the street in order to walk up or down steel. You know, Portland just had a major uh, lawsuit, an ADA lawsuit happen. But, you know, these encampments have been here forever. They're not going anywhere. And just because a lawsuit happens and Mayor Ted makes it illegal from XYZ from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., to, you know, be in these encampments with, with certain, uh, proximity to different, you know, schools and driveways and loading, you know, just all kinds of different restrictions. But what are you going to do? How are you going to enforce that? What do you, what do you, how are you going to enforce any of this? You're not. Particularly in Portland, where the public will was to defund the police. So yes, you've got people upset. But if you really look deep at what these people supported along the way, the progressive ideals have just come to bite them in the ass, right? I mean, it's just it's just a chunk right out of beach butt cheek. And it's, you know, there, there's, there is literally nothing you can do. Where, where are you, you going to, you know, you make these homeless encampment, you, you tear it down and make these people, you know, do a sweep. All right, they're just going to come right back. So you're, you're kind of stuck with it. You've allowed this to happen. The cat is out of the bag. This, this is your, this is your legacy. This is what you get. Dan Flannery and Susan McCauley live nearby. They didn't write the email, but they easily could have. They've seen it from the house where they've lived for eight years. They said they have been crime victims numerous times and have had three cars stolen. I mean. <laughs> There's your sign. About five or six months ago, had a Lexus stolen. That's the one where they dropped off a bicycle on their cans and took the car, Dan said. Then they say the homeless problem hit even closer to home when a man walked right into their house. Now, some of you might say, oh, that, that didn't happen. How many podcasts have I done right here on News for Reasonable People where some whacked out nut job on drugs has just walked into somebody's house or is literally trying to attack them? The family of five in Portland where the whacked out drug addict was banging, you know, trying to go through the front door. The kid at the front door, his dad says, you know, go grab the baseball bat, whack that guy's arm as he comes through and through the, you know, the, the broken glass on the front door. They're literally just trying to defend themselves from people that they at one time said, well, the unhoused are just down on their luck. Let them live wherever. Let them live willy nilly. We'll live peacefully alongside of our unhoused neighbors. And now they're like, you got to do something, leadership. Mr. Mayor, you've got to do something. Make it right. Yeah, you're just not going to. My husband was standing in the doorway. He came running across the driveway, jumped over our trailer, and walked right in the garage and into the house, said Susan. Why wouldn't he? What's to stop him? The cops? Good luck calling the cops. I mean, you already did a number on your cops, right? How many cops are you shy in Portland? hundreds that whole defund the police thing yeah i mean a lot of folks supported that the rhetoric against police has been amazing i mean it's just horrific so why wouldn't this guy you know walk right in the garage and into your house and maybe get a snack from your refrigerator this is part and parcel of what's been going on for years. Susan says she's also worried about a school bus stop for Hosford Middle School students at 32nd and Steel, right in the middle of the encampments. Well, I mean, that's, 
you need the children to learn young, right? I mean, you need the children to get their birds and the bees out of the way by having, you know, drug-addled encampments with campers that, you know, perform sex acts on each other for drugs. I mean, that's pretty normal. That's one way to get your birds and bees, you know, into the family discussion at uh, the dinner table. I mean, what'd you see at the bus stop today? Well, Dad, I saw a girl on her knees and this guy was, okay, that's enough. Uh, what happened on Sesame Street today? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's one of my complaints when I called the city was, this is a school bus stop and kids are getting off, she said. How many times have we seen video of that in San Francisco? Kids, little kids, kindergartners, preschoolers getting off the bus and there's just a dozen people dealing drugs, doing drugs, shooting up, just right there. Those kids just got to deal with it. Here in Seattle, International District, you've got high schoolers going past these nonsense all day long. It's like, ah, oh, it's a big city. It's got big city issues. Yeah, we're not too worked up about people doing drugs. Well, maybe mom, mom and dad here are. So what will happen to the bus stop with Portland schools opening less than a month? We reached out to the district. They say the stop will be shut down and moved down the street to Southeast 28th and Colt Drive. That's where we met with Interim Director of Student Transportation, Brandon Coonrod. It's frustrating for you guys to have to move stops over here because of the camps that are over there, we asked. Is it frustrating? It's frustrating. I wouldn't say it's frustrating, said Coonrod. I think it's part of what we're dealing with in the city right now. And I know the city has a lot of work to do. <laughs> that is, that is accurate. City's got a lot of work to do and it's complicated work. It's actually not. It's not. Get people into treatment, get people into healthcare treatment, get people into addiction treatment get people into treatment. Don't allow them to live outdoors. Don't encourage it. Don't encourage it by handing out tents. Don't encourage it by handing out tarps. Don't encourage it by handing out booty bump kits. Basically, all the things you need to do drugs are handed out in a city like Portland to the point where even Mayor Ted said, you know what? Handed out tin foil and crack pipes for these addicts to, to, to do their dope. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like harm prevention to me either. You know, harm reduction. Even Mayor Ted came out and said, ah, don't do that. Spending thousands and thousands of taxpayers' dollars on tinfoil. They, you know, cut up in little bits and pieces and smoke it off of, right? And it's complicated work. It's not that complex. I mean, the whole process of getting somebody into treatment, yeah. But if you had a system to do it, other cities do it doesn't seem all that complex for them, right? Get people the help that they need, not that the help that you think they need that's going to happen in this really progressive manner. Not that, because that is clearly not working. And we're just here to make sure that we can get our kids safely to school. So we'll let them do their process and we'll make sure we're getting our kids safe. We don't have an issue changing it if the need is there. What about, what about squaring away safety for your children? period. What about that? What about that? What about actually enforcing some of the city's you know, current policies on the books? What about that? And we're not doing that. Yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to move the school bus stop. You know, pretty soon it'll be a mile down the road and the encampment will just be chirping at its heels. It's, it's coming. The encampment's coming. Got to move up the street just another block. 
right? I mean, doesn't that seem what that's what's going to happen? Camp, it doesn't give a shit. They just truly do not care. While we were working on this story this week, the city of Portland was walking along Steel Street, tagging the vehicles. That gives campers 72 hours notice to move on. Dan and Susan said that that means very little to them, and it means absolutely nothing to me. It just means you're going to do a little whack-a-mole, right? Whack the encampment here. Boop! They pop up over here, right? They'll be right back. It's a process. They'll leave. It'll be cleaned up for a couple of weeks, and then it's a whole new group. Ah, welcome back, guys. Oh, this isn't the old group. Same as the old boss, right? A new group of them will come in, said Susan. It's the hula hoop syndrome. This is a good one. This is a new one. I like this one. I like her thinking. It's the hula hoop syndrome. It just keeps coming back around, Dan chimed in. Oh, Dan, I'm with you there, baby. Hula hoop syndrome. It's the hula hoop. Just keeps coming right back. It's hula hoops. They say if they could move out of Portland, they would. It's not the same city they fell in love with. You hear that from a lot of people. But people made a lot of choices, both politically and personally, to allow this to take their city over. And now they're kind of forced to deal with it. All right. You've lived here for eight years. You're part of the problem because you, number one, either didn't move out or make enough of a squawk to hear have your opinion felt to the point where people listened, you know, you're paying the price for basically complicity. If you, you know, and I don't think anybody who's, you know, right of center is really in love with living in Portland right now. That's just not a thing. Same thing with Seattle. I don't live in Seattle. I always say I'm from Seattle because that's kind of the mothership of cities, right? I live in Bellevue and even Bellevue is kind of getting... We're getting more influence from Seattle, and it's not a good influence. It's a very progressive influence, and it does not help things out. Ah, just take hotels and make them into homeless, you know, housing for the homeless. It'll work out. It'll be fine. And you start to see these people walking around, whacked out on drugs. What I see is I see shopping carts congregated at weird spots, you know, turned over with a bunch of stuff in them. I see people leaving stuff all over the city. I see people without shirts on, you know, talking to the clouds, middle of the day, you know, just a bunch of shenanigans going on because you turned a homeless, you turned a, an old hotel into a homeless encampment. And yeah, those people are just doing massive amounts of drugs. They say if they could move out of Portland, they would. It's not the same city they fell in love with. You hear that so often, but. It's the city that you've helped create into what it is today, one way or the other, one way or the other. Just driving around Portland, it's the homeless population. Everything's getting trashy, and I fear for my safety, especially now that we've been violated so much. I'm nervous to go out at night in my own, on my own, Susan said. I don't blame her. It's probably not safe. It's probably not safe, but when you allow this influence to take effect in your city, cat's out of the bag, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? You're either going to move or you're going to hunker down, shut up and hope that it, you know, changes in the near future. It's not going to. So this is your new reality. You just got to deal with it. Even a new daytime camping ban that started last month doesn't get them excited because it has no teeth. It's not enforceable. 
It's not enforceable. But Mayor Ted needed to get something on the books. It's like, all right, guys, look, we got to try and take care of these areas, you know, got to keep driveways open, got to keep them away from schools. But it's just talk, right? They've experienced too much hope only to be disappointed. Until they start enforcing some laws, I can't see it changing, said Dan. You know what? Enforcing low-level laws like that uh, isn't happening. Just flat isn't happening. Cops are too busy dealing with fentanyl overdoses, shenanigans from campers, and what criminal activity they can get to. Period. Period. That's what they're working on. They don't have bandwidth for, oh, we need to start enforcing some laws. Huh? I need you to go out and ticket those guys over there. Homeless addicts who are never going to pay, pay a ticket in their life. Why even bother? Why even bother? Fentanyl now, you know, public use is like a $100 misdemeanor fine. That's if you get a fine. I mean, cops could spend all day, every day fining people. And you know where that would go? Absolutely nowhere. Because those folks, those addicted, you know, campers, urban campers, they're not going to pay the fines. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the implications. It doesn't have the consequences that they need in order to hit rock bottom and maybe get some help. And that brings us back to that email I told you about. It ends with, we are a family that lives in Reed. We pay taxes for our streets and sidewalks to be clean and safe. We pay for schools and school transportation that is now becoming less accessible for students. This campsite and the other sites that this large around the city need to be moved. All right. All right. I'm gay. I'll, I'll play. I'll, I'll play fair. Where do you move them to? Where are you going to move them? You're immediately going to be faced with not in my backyard. Move it to some city property. Where? City property, it's zoned commercial. It's going to be located near businesses. Businesses are going to say, we don't want that in our neighborhood. So where are you going to move it to? We need it to be, need to be moved. You can say that all day long. You can say specifically, we need it moved from the schools. All right. How are you going to do that? Because they're just going to come right back because this has been allowed. This is the way that it is in Portland. This is the way that it is large swaths in Seattle. This is the way it is. This is the will of the people. This is what people wanted, but it hasn't exactly ended up the way they thought it would. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, um, good Lord, this isn't working out. This isn't what we had in mind. This, this isn't, this isn't what we were thinking. Well, you know, what, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Well, we thought it would be this utopian society where we all get together. We got the rich people and we got people with no money. You know, we'd all just live together and it'd be this great, happy, you know, living experience. And we'd grow a garden and everybody'd eat from the garden. (laughs) I love this coffee cup because it says socialism works for those who don't. Right? I mean, that's what so much of this nonsense is based off of, right? It's based off of a couple of voices within a city that just really rattle those chains. And people who aren't really sure what to do are like, yeah, defund the police. Greatest concept ever. And, and until it's not, until you don't have enough cops to enforce the code 
to make it safe for your child to go to the effing bus stop. And it's so bad that Portland's like, you know, we really can't do much here. We, we know that if we just move the encampment, they're just going to come right back. So we're going to, we're going to be aggressive this time. We're going to move it two blocks down the road. That'll give us four months before the encampment reaches, you know, that bus stop. And then we're just going to keep moving it. Pretty soon we'll be in Idaho, but you know, you can't be, you can't be too sure of these things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's laughable, except for the people dealing with it, right? But those people, I do not feel sorry for those people. I don't. It's like anybody in Seattle. Hey, you've had warning after warning after warning. This is going to happen. When you take these actions, when you decriminalize this, when you allow this, when you allow homeless people to live wherever, they're not unhoused people. They're addicts that love living outdoors because that's their lifestyle. You hand them a tent, they're going to say, thank you. We are going to hunker down. And that's what they do. You want to sweep them? Go ahead. Sweep them. They're just going to move right to beyond where they know you're not going to sweep them again immediately. They're going to hunker down. They're going to do their same encampment thing. So, you know, you can bitch and complain all you want. It's like I just got through a podcast with Gumps. Gump in, um, is it Gumps? I can't remember. In, uh, in San Francisco. Uh, reminds me of Forrest Gump, right? Run, Forrest, run, as he's sprinting down the driveway all of a sudden his leg braces come off and he's just running that was a great scene wasn't it no the gump uh, store that is a uh, whole uh home goods and jewelry nice nice stuff not stuff i'm interested in but you know for people that are really into decorating their home and getting some nice jewelry on um Gump is a, is a store for you. It's been there for 165 years in San Francisco, and they wrote an up open letter to their mayor, board of supervisors, their governor, you know, Newsom, saying, hey, guys, we've got issues on the streets here. It's really super dangerous, and this might be our last season in our last holiday season in San Francisco because we can't make a go of it anymore, period. You've got entities like that that have been there for 165 years that due to street conditions, the exact same thing we're talking about here in Portland, they're like, yeah, we may, we may need to leave. We may need to exit stage left. Mm, yeah, this, this isn't good. How about federal workers in, in San Fran, you know, being told you got to work, work from home? Those federal workers, beginning of August this month, letter was sent out saying, hey, you know, it's just not safe here at the federal building because of all the drug addiction and drugs being sold and human trafficking at the federal building, which is where we work. So you guys are all going to work from home for the foreseeable future. Because again, like cleaning out the homeless encampments, cleaning out the open air drug market, you might sweep them one day, but they're going to be right back because crime does pay. And it pays very well if you're a fentanyl dealer. They make a lot of money. There was a story about how a Honduran drug drug uh, dealer, a street dealer, made 350 grand. Whether that was true or not, who knows? But there's an entire village 
in Honduras, where people who have learned the drug trade in San Francisco, there's a real estate boom going on in a small town in Honduras where somebody learned from somebody in San Francisco, hey, these are the mechanics of how you do this. And they brought a bunch of people from Honduras to Portland because it's a sanctuary city. If you get popped for drugs, they ain't going to throw you out because, you know, sanctuary city, we're welcoming, we're welcoming till they get too many illegal immigrants. And they're like, ah, oh, we can't take any more. <laughs> like New York City is doing right now. <laughs> you just literally can't make this stuff up. It's just so ridiculous. Like moving a bus stop up the road instead of handling the problem. But, you know, that's going on because you can't handle the problem. You don't have the bandwidth to handle the problem. And that's, that's where a lot of these West Coast cities sit. Yeah, there is no short-term solution and there is no political will of leadership or the people to really make a difference, I don't think. In my opinion, we are seeing more and more of this silliness come out in stories that I read that are just absolutely ridiculous. And they're ridiculous because the solutions that you have moving the bus stop down the road instead of, hey, how about taking the existing bus stop and cleaning her up and making sure people don't come back around? Well, you don't have the cops to enforce that. Not a thing. So literally, well, let's take the path of least resistance and let's move that bus stop 14 miles down the road. In winter, I'm sure it'll be fine for little Johnny to have to walk 14 and a half miles to his bus stop. It'll be good. I know he's only six, but I mean, endurance is important. You just keep that, keep that kid walking. I mean, gets up at 4 a.m. to make it to kindergarten. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, that guy might be a professional race walker down the road. Who knows? Right? I mean, it's just ridiculousness, absolute stupidity. But this is where we're at. 2023. Progress. So progressive. All right. That's it for me on this one. Thanks so much for being here. We'll catch up with you on the next one. Bye for now. 